the whole question I assumed of this podcast was either going to be what Shakespeare play or what Broadway musical have we found ourselves in? Boy, that's a great framing. I, I don't mind that framing at all. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 15th year, number 764, Living in Schmigadoon. Last week, I spoke with cultural observer and tenured professor currently on illegal hiatus Daniel Pollock Pelsner about his recent firing from and lawsuit against Linfield University, which, rather than address the horrible accusations of sexual misconduct amongst its board of trustees, is attempting to shut down any conversation about or criticism of its actions. There's an unreal aspect to what Daniel's going through, and and we spoke last week about the Shakespearean parallels of men in power betraying their trust. This week, I'll share with you the rest of our conversation in which I asked the next obvious question. What musical do we think your situation is? Oh, man. Man. I mean... (laughs) No musical I want to see, I think. No. Well, I, I mean... This is going to sound self-aggrandizing, but I ha- so the best thing that's happened to me in the last few months, besides these amazing letters from my students, is that um, to 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 cheer me up for my birthday, my amazing wife rented a small movie theater outside of Portland, where we live, to take our vaccinated friends and family to see the movie of In the Heights which we have all been anticipating right for, for years now. And we wanted to see on the big screen, cheer on the production and, uh, and who knew if it would be safe to do. So we got to see it. And, it, and I, I don't think I've been as like viscerally thrilled by artistic innovation in every beat of that show as I have since maybe since I saw Hamilton for the first time. And um, I, uh, and, and there are important critiques that have been raised and I think Lynn's handled those graciously. Uh, but I was thinking that Lynn based that show in structurally on Fiddler on the Roof. So both right are, are shows about communities that have traditions, and then those traditions come under threat from um, you know kind of dehumanizing forces from the outside, Cossacks in Anatevka, Mister Softy, Con Edison, and uh, gentrifying hipsters in um, in Washington <laughs> Heights, yeah. and there. So there. They're about, you know, groups of people who have strong bonds, but who support each other when these these kind of, you know, commercial and political forces try to exploit them. And, you know, you could spin the allegory different ways, but what I like, what I like to see is the way that even in the face of if Linfield's, you know, Mr. Softy at best, uh, <laughs> the Cossacks are, or uh, Con Edison at, at worst, that in the face of that kind of dehumanization what what we've seen you and i just looking at the media and and uh, uh, you know social media print media is just an overflowing of support from students and alumni and colleagues around the world who are saying exactly what you're saying austin this is unacceptable and that we stand with students who say that they don't feel safe and you want to speak up about it and so there that sort of communal energy of to life 
or 96,000 that recognizes that you only say those things because there are these forces that are threatening to eradicate community, yeah. but that there's joy and there's solidarity and there's uh, you know a dream of a, of, a, of a more utopian and better world that can come through when people raise their voices together. I, I would like to think at least that there's that, that kind of spirit in these petitions and letters and uh, um, uh, beautiful messages that people have been sharing saying, you know, look, Chaim, we're still gonna keep fighting. A fiddler on the roof, es loco, no? <laughs> As long as you buy them, let's buy them. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God, I'd forgotten that line. Um, uh, yeah, I think yeah. Let's let's go within the heights as a musical model, not <laughs> not Sweeney Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Peter Marks, theater critic of the Washington Post, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSE the RSE? We're still the remote Shakespeare Company for a few more months, but I can now share with you our next round of actual live performance dates, which begin this November 20th, 2021, with a performance of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel at the Jasper Arts Center in Jasper, Indiana. Unless something changes, that will be our only live performance in 2021. But in January 2022, we'll do four performances of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, two on January 19th and 20th, 2022 at the Wharton Center at Michigan State University, then one on January 21st at Hillsdale College in Michigan, and then on January 23rd, just down the road in Rolla, Missouri. Then in February of 2022, we'll do two performances of the complete history of comedy abridged in Reading, Pennsylvania on February 11th and at the Majestic Theater in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania on February 12th. Then we'll be back to Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in April, giving one performance at Washington and Jefferson College in Washington, Pennsylvania on April 20th. And then finally, on April 24th, we'll return to Western Virginia almost exactly two years late to finally give two performances of Hamlet's Big Adventure prequel. Obviously, check our Facebook and Twitter feeds for the latest information, but I can also now return to saying, as always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. Now back to my conversation with Daniel Pollock-Pelsner. And since we were talking about musicals, we inevitably started talking about Schmigadoon on Apple TV+, in which Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key play a couple trapped in a town where everybody acts as if they're in a musical. And since theater critic Peter Marks and I famously debated the merits of the song Shapoopy from The Music Man, that's where I began our conversation. I'm going to say, um, whatever one thinks of Shapoopy, uh, it is no corn pudding. <laughs> I'm not sure who you're insulting with that <laughs> comparison. Corn, corn pudding is the shapoopy of Schmigadoon. That's a hill and I'm prepared to die on. <laughs> I was actually thinking, apropos of your conversation with Peter Marks, that uh, I, I adore Schmigadoon. I'm entertained by it. I want to continue with it. I want to see where it goes. 
I think Cecily Strong is making her case to be the uh, you know leading actor of our time, and anytime Kristen Chenoweth pops up is not often enough for me. But with songs like Corn Puddin', it made me think that the creators think that uh, that you know Rodgers and Hammerstein didn't write any songs except June is busting out all over, and that was the real nice clam bake, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know. The, the, as we well, as we both know, those original shows are much more complex and nimble and uh, textured than well. Their and I'm SNL wondering, version. yeah, and I'm wondering how um, how dark Schmigadoon will go. I, I suspect not very, um, because the Rogers and Hammerstein shows did go pretty dark for their time, and they went really dark in ways they didn't even acknowledge. <laughs> exactly. We got one little clip of a sort of Judd Fry character saying he does unspeakable things with pigs, and that seemed about as much as the show <laughs> wanted to acknowledge at that Well, point. yeah, comic bestiality is always money in the bank. <laughs> I know. I would say that so far it seems like a uh, you know, a Saturday Night Live sketch that's outrun its uh, course, but I guess that's just synonymous with a Saturday Night Live sketch. So maybe it's it, to be expected. <laughs> you, you mean it lasted longer than ninety seconds? Well, then yes, I <laughs> I suspect so. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the yeah. Only, it, this is wildly off the point, but the, the only thing that bothers me is that they keep denying the premise, and that's so frustrating. Just like, all right, we get. We're all on board. Let's right. go. Yes. Who would be watching the show if they felt like uh, Keegan Michael Key's character about musicals? Yeah. Um, yeah. Except yeah. that even if you did like musicals, you might wind up this show wondering whether you liked them as much as you thought you did. Well, and I'm a big fan of William Goldman's book, um, Adventures in the Screen Trade, and I, I've uh -huh. read it multiple times. And he, when he, he talks about writing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and he said, you know, girls are always a drag in Westerns, and I didn't want that. Well, it's not girls that are a drag in Westerns. It's anybody who denies the premise in anything, mm. you know, stop. Mm -hmm. No, you can't go after that. Shut up. Then we're not going to have any movie. Just let us get on with the movie and stop holding us back. It was the, it's, it, I, I think we've moved along in terms of an audience that we all understand what the story is. We don't need anybody explaining how tough or impossible or ridiculous it is. Let's just go. Right. It seems like that it's sort of similar to the way that something rotten, the musical that claimed to provide the genesis of the musical thought of a musical, which was mm -hmm. like something sort of like watered down Cole Porter meets, I don't know, uh, <laughs> second tier guys and dolls. And I think, yeah, I mean, a musical is an amazing thing and you could make a case for tracing it to Renaissance comedy in a way, but it's a, it has a lot more texture than that show made it out to be just as, as makes me wonder like whose fantasy is it to end up in a kind of, watered down, you know, Brigadoon meets Music Man meets Carousel meets uh, Sound of Music, like, whose nostalgia is being uh, it's, catered to here? Well, it, it clearly catering to at least two people, the creators of the show. <laughs> I guess so, right. Yeah. All coming off Despicable Me. And I, sh I will admit, I share their nostalgia because this is a totally idiosyncratic reason, Austin. So I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, where I live now. And every Saturday night, my dad, who's an artist, would wait tables to, uh, uh, you know, fund the art. And so I'd help him lay out the silverware at the restaurant. And then my mom would pick up me and my sister, and we would stop by a video rental store. And you'll put in a footnote to explain what those are for your, your listeners. 
And we would rent VHS tape of a Broadway musical from my mom's childhood. And my mom grew up in New York um, from the 1940s until the 1960s. And so her canon was anything that opened until she left for Reed College in Portland, Oregon in 1966. So my canon, therefore, was Rodgers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, um, a little bit of Porter and, Gersh and Gershwin, you know, sort of up to Fiddler and Cabaret. And that's where my education stopped. I was going to so say my, Ben Franklin in Paris. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. So when I think of my childhood love of musicals, it was really my mom's childhood love of musicals, which is exactly the Schmigadoon era. We must have watched Brigadoon a zillion times. And I, I would go looking for the Heather on the Hill when I'd walk out of my uh, front door. Um, but I feel like my own sensibilities like that of American culture have changed a little bit in the intervening, like, uh, I don't know, 50 years since my mom left New York City. Uh, and even she acknowledges that, say, Sondheim and Candor and Ebb and, uh, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Janine Tesori have done the thing or two. And I'm curious to see whether Schmigadoon can make space for, for those intervening 60 years. Can make space for Stephen Sondheim's wrong notes and polysyllabic rhyming. <laughs> right. Or, and I'll, we can get off this topic, but also how much, how much this is a nostalgia fantasy and how much this is Broadway has been closed for COVID. This show's no doubt been developed in a while, but it was filmed during COVID. Is this like who's is this a fantasy of what Broadway will be like when it's rediscovered? That is, is Schmigadoon Broadway? And what we're hoping for when it comes back is basically a kind of colorblind version of the music man, which is probably what Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster with minus Scott Rudin are gonna bring us. Um, or will the arc of the show, I hope, maybe see some ways of bringing that heritage into dialogue or uh, refreshment with some world that actually could accommodate uh, Cecily Strong and Keegan, Mike and Keegan uh, Michael Key and all of their uh, complexity. Well, from your mouth, the gods took us, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Send us your musical parallels via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow Daniel on Twitter at Pollock Pelsner, and you can follow me on Twitter too at Austin Titchener, and I hope you'll check out my new website, The Shakespeareans. There you can find more information on how I can help you with monologues, presentations, or writing projects. Check out theshakespeareans.com and my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to Schmilly Schmigalow Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, and music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Adam Michael. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Washington Post theater critic Peter Marks. I'll post a link to our conversation about Shapoopy in the episode description. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. We are not out of the woods yet. I'm Austin Titchener, 764, 2290 seconds of the Reduced Shakespeare Company.
podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.